0: Psalm 70 this morning. All right, this is, this is an interesting one. It's five verses. Okay, you ready? To the choir master of David for the memorial offering. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, Aha! Aha! I saw where you were last night. You ever get that? You ever have anybody any, anybody say, Aha! You're a Christian. I know where you were. I saw you down in that bar in Prescott, Wisconsin. Yeah, now we know what you're hanging out in. Well, yeah, we're, we're having church there in the upper room, but what difference does that make? But people say, aha, they're waiting to say, to catch you in something, aren't they? But he says, let them turn back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. We should say God is great. Everybody say God is great. God is great. God is great. Amen. But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Have you ever prayed something more than twice? The same thing? Like over and over and over? You ever feel like something? Check this out. Go to verse. Go to, go to, chapter, go to Psalm 40 real quickly. Chapter 13. It says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say, Aha! Uh Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, No! Great is our God! Yes. Follow along, follow along. You got the notes up here. You don't have the notes up here. You have Google up there. Oh no, you don't have. I have Google back there. All right. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. Father, we thank you so much that you are our deliverer. Father, when, when, the, when the world comes crashing down on us, when, when things press in on us, Lord God, you are our help. You are our comforter. You are everything that we need, Lord God, for life and godliness. We thank you that you deliver us out of the snares of the enemy, and we thank you, Father, that you are great, and we proclaim that this morning in Jesus' name. Let's him and proclaim his greatness this morning, amen? Jesus, glory be to your name, God, hallelujah, Jesus is alive, amen, amen, Heather, can you go back to that one slide that says, let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives? Amen. just really sense that God was saying this morning what do we measure our lives against is it do we measure it against what the world says because a lot of what the world says is you're not enough you're not good enough you can't do it you know don't give enough but that's not what we measure our lives by is it let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives amen God says you're good enough god says you're good enough because of jesus because of his blood because of his sacrifice because of what he has done for us it's not because of anything that we've done but he's enough for us he makes us enough amen it's the saving love of Christ that's the measure of our life. So stop measuring your life based on what the world tries to tell you it needs to be measured by. That's it's the wrong measuring stick. The right measuring stick is Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. You notice we did have the youth worship team, wasn't that awesome? Praise God! It's good to good to be have them worshiping. But you know what's interesting is this: this is not Youth Sunday. Did you know that? It's not Youth Sunday. Uh, many times you know, in church you'll have Youth Sunday or Children's Sunday, and and those who didn't uh, know it was happening would walk in and go, oh no, yeah. you know, oh. <laughs> I remember years ago uh, I, I walked into a church that we were attending uh, when we first got married, and I saw the puppet stage set up, and I was like, oh, it's Children's Sunday. You've got to be kidding me. I am so bummed. I'm just being honest. I'm just, I, I know you're right there. You're sitting right there. I know I haven't offended and a half. So I just thought I'd go for it. But uh, um, I was just, you got to be kidding me. And then, well, you can't just leave. I a mean, few people saw me, you know, so you can't just turn around and walk back out. And uh, that day, that day, uh, the puppet team came on, you know, and they started doing their puppet thing, you know, and, you <laughs> know, And they ministered to me so deeply. It actually was something, I was struggling with something at, at that point in my life and it literally dealt with it completely. A puppet show. I repented. I've repented ever since of not wanting to be here. You come into the presence of God to experience the presence of God. Whoever... The vessel is that ministers it doesn't matter so at the beginning of the year uh, during the week devoted to God the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said uh, that uh, once that we're I'm supposed to have other people minister and each month we've had somebody uh, ministering and, and uh, leading the service and so on and this month you're going to be very very blessed because you actually get two. There's going to be two in one service. And like I said, it's not youth service. This is service. This is, this is the church. And Cyrus uh, Logan and, and uh, Solomon Blanchard are going to be ministering to us this morning. And uh, it's not the youth leading the service. This is, this is the church leading the service. I mean, you want, you want the person who's anointed at the moment to minister. Amen. So let's give uh, Kairos Logan a big, warm welcome.
2: So, uh, wow, that's loud. Um, Hi, everybody. Um, I'm here. So uh, here's a brief note on why I'm speaking. Pastor John mentioned it a little bit. But uh, you may remember a little while back that uh, William uh, Neen got up here and shared uh, like a month ago, I think. And... uh, So we were talking out in the foyer along with Solomon and uh, Pastor John walks up to us and he congratulates Willie on uh, speaking in front of the church. So, and then he turns to us and I'm assuming that at this point he's going to ask us whether or not we had anything and if we should have shared anything or something. And then he asks us if we would preach in August. So yeah, Um, we agreed and a little bit after that the realization of what I had agreed to hit me and a good amount of panic. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm here. So, um, what I'll be doing, not, a, I'm not going to be exactly preaching, um, so to speak, cause that, I don't know, that word in particular, it, it terrifies me a little. Um, so I will be reflecting on a few things that had God has been showing me, uh, that I've been studying. So, uh, Recently, I have been studying on what it means to be a slave of God, and I came about to studying this uh, like so. I've been taking the bus uh, every, week, every morning to work, um, because I don't have a car yet, uh, but anyhow, uh, and during this time, it's about an hour-long ride, so I typically read my Bible for at least a little bit. Uh, and one morning I decided to read First Timothy, and I came to Paul's greeting in First Timothy, so that'd be the first verse, and it goes as follows. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God our Savior and Jesus Christ our hope. Now, this confused me a little bit, slight, a little bit, because... Uh, I had always thought that Paul typically started his letters with Paul a slave or a bondservant or a servant of Christ, and so I did a quick study, uh, or quick search, my apologies, on the words slave and servant, and uh, it turns out that Paul only actually uses these in Romans and Titus, so I was mistaken, but uh, some of the other verses that popped up uh, inspired this study. So, during this study, I came to a few conclusions about the... uh, about slavery, the idea of spiritual slavery. And the first conclusion that came to is it's an extremely important concept, uh, both for the believer and unbeliever alike. Now, regarding the believer specifically, uh, in Jesus says in Matthew 20:27 20, 27, uh, and also Mark 10:44 44, uh, that whoever, whomever would be great among you must be your servant, and whomever would be first among you must be your slave even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, well this says a lot on its own, it became even more interesting to me when I paired it with other verses. Um, one of these verses was Matthew twenty five, thirty-three through thirty-six. And uh in this, this is the uh part where Jesus is talking about the sheep and the goats at the uh at the final judgment day. And he makes a very interesting statement in verse 40, and it goes like this. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Now, this was interesting to me because it equates serving our brothers, uh, the fellow members of the church, to serving God. Uh, and also it later in the passage, it... Uh, It shows that as being the differentiating factor between whether or not God knows us or not. Um, And just a quick disclaimer, what I'm not saying is that salvation comes by any sort of works or service. That would be the law or religion. Um, We are called to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's the only way we can be saved. And uh, that will automatically cause works to come. But anyway... Um, the next thing that I found is a fairly obvious point, and this is relating more to non-believers, but, uh, slavery is inescapable whether we like it or not. And Romans 15 through 19 reads, what then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of you who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which you have committed, and, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members to slaves leading to that uh, slaves uh, to righteousness leading to sanctification. Now, this presents an either or scenario. There's really no alternative, but we do get to choose which master we serve. Uh, the next couple of verses uh, cause me to reflect on this the impact that this has on unbelievers, as well as the unfortunate irony uh, that, of the lies that they believe. Uh, the next two verses, 20 and 21, continue, saying, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time of those things of which are you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Atheists commonly say that they are free because there is no God. But this pas- while well, this passage acknowledges their alleged freedom, it also acknowledges the fact that they are still Uh, slaves to sin and not really free at all. Uh, The sad irony is that the vast majority of Americans tend to believe themselves free and happy because of the lack of a God, but they're neither free or happy. Uh, I mean, depression is widespread, suicide rates are extremely high, and anger is rampant. I mean, you can just look at the political system and see that. Um, (laughs) But... and. Honestly, this kind of makes sense. I mean, what purpose do human beings have if there is no God? I mean, it doesn't really matter if we take the life of another or our own life because we don't matter. But this, yeah. So the lack of a God means that they are subservient to their own desires. As seen today, those desires can bring about, at the very least, a meaningless life dedicated to the collection of material things, and at the worst, a life filled with violence, rape, murder, theft, war, and death. Personally, after taking the, having this thought, I found myself extremely grateful that I do have a God to serve that gives me a purpose beyond myself. Uh, now, the concept of slavery, to God or otherwise, seems to bother a good many people and did for a while bother me as well uh, to a great extent. And uh, I think that's because here in America, whenever the word slavery is mentioned, we tend to think of our own history, uh, the very cruel and brutal method of slavery that we had. We picture a harsh, cruel overseer who works as slaves quite literally to their death. And this is actually the reality with sin, but it's not what, uh, not what our reality is as serving God. Uh, something that I found interesting as I was reading is in Exodus 21, the Hebrew method of slavery is described. And uh, in this, A Hebrew slave was required to serve six years but was released on the seventh at the time of the release He was given a choice to continue to serve his master should he so desire Uh, This is laid out in verse 5 and it says but if the slave plainly says I love my master my wife and my children I will not go free Then his master shall bore his ear through and through with an awl and he shall be his slave forever I believe that this is the slavery that more closely resembles our slavery to God Uh, And I found several parallels between this and our Christian walk. The first was that uh, the slave chooses to stay with his master because his master is good. And this is very, very quite literally why we serve God, because he's a good master. And yeah, that that just struck me as interesting. I mean, if the human... If a human master is capable of being so good to his servant that he would want to stay with him forever, even after he's released, then our God must be so much better because, yeah. So then the next parallel I found is uh, that our to our walk as a Christian is that the master had given the slave everything he needed. Uh, God does the same and more for us. According to 2 Peter 1, three. <coughs> His divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now, the final parallel that I drew between this idea of slavery and uh, our walk as Christians is that the slave uh, had his ear pierced. And this was interesting to me because that would mark him as a slave forever. Anybody who looked at him would be able to instantly look at him and know he was a slave. So... This I found interesting because as Christians, we're called to be the same, Uh, called to be, we're supposed to be easily recognizable as servants of God and slaves of Christ. So after determining that spiritual slavery was important, inescapable, and also determining that slavery was good and unlike what many people would picture, I came to the question of what does slavery look like? To God, anyway. Um, the obvious answer that presents itself, or presented itself to me at least, is to serve God absolutely and obey whatever he tells you. And while this is true and should be a sign of how we are, its I don't believe what it's what's important. Um, instead, I believe our motives and attitudes behind what we do is more important. Um, if you think about a slave, you think often about of the mindset of a slave. You'd think about humility and submissiveness. And those should be characteristic of us as well. And uh, these stem from trust. We're supposed to trust our master, both that he's a good master and that he knows what's best. And in more Christianese terms, this would be faith. So uh, according to Hebrews 1.11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And what I've come to realize over this study is that this does not imply a blind faith, so to speak. Uh, it, it should be a, a driven, uh, knowledge-driven and a real faith based on past experience. We're supposed to trust God and have faith in Him because of our experiences and how He has not let us down in the past. So, so that's the conclusion I came to there. And then when we have faith in God that he is good and that we can trust him and that he knows what's best, uh, we, would nat- we should naturally want to submit to him because he, is- he knows what is the better way we do not. So that's the conclusion I came to there. And then with humility, I believe that faith will also bring forth that because trusting in God and realizing how good he is uh, should Uh, instantly put things in perspective for us. Uh, Humility isn't uh, putting oneself down or an attitude of worthlessness because we're very valuable, but instead it's a recognition of how good God is and that. So to quote Sherlock Holmes, I really like Sherlock Holmes, um, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle, not the TV show, Um, all things should be seen exactly as they are and to underestimate oneself is as much a departure from the truth as to exaggerate one's own power so with that humility isn't supposed to be putting ourselves down it's supposed to be raising him up to an extent so yeah so these two things as mentioned before are characteristic of a slave's mindset and uh, in addition to these reasons it can be for a few others and The first reason is in regards to uh, slavery to sin is that the master is cruel and harsh and the slave submits out of fear and is humble because he believes himself worthless. And that's, that's slavery to sin and that's not what we're called to. The second is that the master is good and noble and the slave submits out of admiration and honor and is humble because of his respect for his master. When we are submissive and humble, we want to carry out God's will and this is where our service to God and our fellow believers comes from and uh so that was the main those are the main conclusions i drew and as i was writing this up to present i came i had a few other thoughts um so these are a little bit sorted not really in any particular order but as a slave we receive our master's authority so this what i found interesting because as a, as an individual just walking on our own if we were not slaves of god and if that were possible um then we wouldn't have the authority to carry out what we needed to do because it would be our own. But as a slave of God, we are given his authority, and we can carry that out and do far greater things than we would would be able to on our own. Um, The second one of the, another thought that I had is we as slaves are called to be set apart to our master. And that, just the man can serve, cannot serve two masters. Uh, He'll either hate the one and love the other, hold to the one and despise the other. Uh, I forget what reference that is, but anyhow... Um, so that was another thought then our master is a good master which I've already mentioned but he also treats us well and and his yoke is easy, his burden is light Uh, with this he may ask us to do hard things but he will always have our best interest in mind now this is particularly relevant to me and my life recently especially Uh, when we went down to Texas that was not at all an easy thing but it was definitely for our best interest, um, I, our family grew a lot. I grew a lot personally, and it was just overall a very good thing, despite its hardness. Then the uh, final thing, the final realization that I came to was that unlike cruel ma- mem- uh, unlike cruel masters, God will never force us to serve him. And God's consistent, so since he gave us free will in the beginning, that will never change. We'll always have our free will, so it's our choice to submit and humble ourselves to serve him. So that's all I've got. So now it's Solomon's turn. So, so
0: yeah. hi,
3: I'm not I'm not Solomon, just so you know. But I, I do want to share just a little bit before you, you get going here. Um you know, if this is your first time here at our church, um, like Pastor John was saying, this is not a normal, normal Sunday service. Uh, it's kind of unusual, but uh, it is. Uh, how many of you know that we serve an unusual God? And if you saw Jesus uh, um, and the way he acted, was he was here? He did a lot of unusual miracles. And how many of you know that God wants to use the youth? And God wants to even use children for accomplishing His will. Amen? And uh, so as I was talking to Kairos before this, um, he told me that a couple months ago he had this thought uh, that, man, I wish the youth was a lot more involved with Sunday service. And then Pastor John asked him, and he was like, crap, that's not really what I was (laughs) thinking about. But isn't that that true that... uh, everything that you do in life, if you want to see a change, if you want to see some kind of change to come, you have to lead by example. You have to be the first one. And I just wanted to say how impressed I am with uh, both of these guys um, in their growth uh, with the Lord. Uh, And now you're going to hear from Solomon and so you know, Kairos is, uh, Kyrus is an engineer, or he's going to be. You can see it by his presentation, his mind, very rational, very logical, very focused. Now we are going to hear from Solomon, and Solomon is a bit different. Um, <laughs> the way, the way to describe him is, um, does anybody ride a motorcycle here? If you, uh, if you if you ride a motorcycle, you can relate to this. I can. I, I started riding a motorcycle about a year ago. But you know, when you come to a stop sign and there's nobody around, and you just like full throttle, like gun it, you know, pin it and all in. Well, that's kind of Solomon's personality. As I was talking to his parents, uh, they were sharing with me, and I was like, that is so true. But uh, he's all in. He's all in when it comes to Christ. He's all in when it comes to the Lord. Uh, He's full sold out for the Lord, and uh, that is the common denominator in both of these guys, that uh, their presentation style might be different, but they're both on fire for the Lord, and they're following him with their full heart. So let's hear from Solomon. Yes.
4: What Kairos was saying about uh, being a slave, my sister visited me this weekend, and I don't know if any of you have heard of... um, this movement that's going on in the world. She's had a foreign exchange student that has been living in Colombia, and originally his family lives in Spain. And this foreign exchange student's mother sent my sister this necklace. And Heather, I don't know if you could Google Arabic letter for Nazarene, if you could put that up on the screen. If you can't, you could Google it on your phone. But the uh, this symbol is an Arabic letter for N, and it stands for Nazarene. And so, Christians all over the world are starting to wear this letter across their neck as a symbol that they belong to Christ. And the Iraqi persecution of the Christians, they've been painting this on homes. And it's just been this huge move across the world to show their slavery to God that they've chosen to be a Christian. It's pretty cool.
5: Well, hello. My name is Solomon Blanchard. I am 15 years old. I was saved in September 2nd, on 2000, in 2017. I am the middle kid of a family of nine. My parents are Michael and Marissa Blanchard. Um, so, just going to give a little backstory about my testimony of how I was saved. I was saved through the loving. Um, care of Jesus Christ. I was saved through His mercy. I was saved through Him loving me to absolute death, even when I did not deserve it. That is how I just just did a full 180, and I was like, yes, I'm on board for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to go back in time where Jesus was crucified. Okay, Where Jesus paid the price for everyone's sin. Where Jesus um, just utterly saved everyone with just an action with, with his life. He saved every single person. When Jesus died on that cross, he paid everyone's sin. He wiped it away. He let everyone go free from the bondage of sin. Okay. That is what he set everyone free from. Okay. Now, like Kairos was talking, how we are slaves of Jesus Christ, we have to choose that. We are the ones who are willing, we have to be willing to serve Jesus Christ. We are the ones who have to be willing to do that. When when say you go back in our time as Americans, when we were we enslaved people, when when we did cruel, cruel very cruel things. There would be the slave traders, there would be the masters, and then there would be the slaves, right? The masters would pay the price from the slave traders, and they would get the slave, and the slave would have to do whatever the master said, or run away, or die trying, right? And... It's the, it's the difference between Jesus as our master and the difference between just a regular human. Jesus paid the price, and then he was like, I'm going to let you go free. You have to make the choice to follow me or not. In that aspect, he's such a great father. He's such a great master. He's, he's beyond anything we can imagine because he, he, cast, he gave us freedom from the pit of hell, and he has let us go free to make the choice to worship him or not. When we ask Jesus to come into our life, we are branded with his name, okay? We are, we, we say we are followers of Jesus Christ from that specific day, whenever in your timeline, we are branded with his name on our heads. I got a passage here in Ephesians uh, 1, 13 through, uh, just actually 13, In him you are also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When you made that commitment, you were automatically sealed. You are now a follower. You are now a servant. You are now a Christian to the Most High, to the one who... praise and glory you are now you are now sealed with his covenant and every spiritual force can see that from miles away they can smell it right Broken world out there right now they like Harris was talking suicide rates are super high the uh, The legal law being passed for gay marriage abortion just being supported mass shootings everywhere the world is just dying and that's because they're leaving God out of the picture. They're like, we don't need him. We don't. We can handle him. We look back and we see giant decay and we're just falling apart. When really all that can heal that, all that can all of that broken part of the world is Jesus' love and Jesus' life. Yeah. Jesus is the only thing that can fix, help, and save the world. He is the only thing, who only one who can do that. And he did. And he made a way for us to accept that. He made a way where we can be willfully saying, yes, I want to be saved, and I will serve you with my life, because you saved me from the pit of hell. Yeah. Now... I'm going to go, this world is hard, okay? So when we signed up, when we became Christians, actually, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to make a little bunny trail. I want to go into the Marine Corps uh, just as a uh, specialist analyst. And my dad has been trying to get my mindset into looking at the the Marine, the government in a different way than just being like, yeah, it would be super cool to wear the uniform and be on the computer and, you know, help stuff and be helping the world. He's been trying to get my mindset a little different. And one of the things he showed me is that you are no longer your own. When you sign up and you, you know, sign your name on that dotted line, and you complete boot camp and you are a graduated United States Marine, the government is now in control of every single thing, every single step, every single breath you make, and no matter what job you want. One of the, was, uh, <laughs> one of the he made was uh, if you work at a factory, another job, it's you can't leave if the job is garbage. You just have to deal with it. You have to go through whatever they say. Now, when you sign up for for Jesus Christ, he's giving you an option to serve him. He's giving you the option to go through the hard stuff in life, and you have to make that decision. We all have to make that decision in life. We have to, step, even if it hurts, even if it's hard. And Jesus will say, good job, my good and faithful servant at the end of the line. Jesus will be there and he will say, you did it right. I don't care about any of that sin. You did it right. You went through the hard stuff. You went through this broken world to serve me. You are my. He will say that if you fall. One of the one of the things about being a Christian is you gotta go in the darkest places. You've got to shine the light of Jesus Christ everywhere. That is our one mission is to praise Jehovah, praise his holy name, because only He and He is So I, I've got a really good passage that's helped me whenever I'm like in a dark time. Isaiah forty, verse twenty eight through thirty one. says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Stop right there. As I've noticed from me being a dude and being 15 years old, I have a lot of energy that I I need to get rid of. And and it just kind of keeps building up, and I can't really, like, just, I can't control it sometimes. I go on bike. But it says here, Even the youth shall faint and be weary through this time, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It does not matter what age you are. You who wait on the Lord will have renewed strength to fight his battle, to glorify his name in the darkest times because God is so worthy. he is absolutely just worthy of every praise we can muster up and he's worth everything more we it is a blessing for us to serve such a great God it is a blessing it is a it's a privilege to serve him and shine his light i really like job even though you know god's kind of yelling at job but the time where he's actually barking at Job, is amazing because he just gives a glimpse of what he can do, of what he's done. He's given us a crystal of sugar, of what he can, what he's done, what he can do, what he's seen, what he can make. He gives Job a crystal, and when rea- in all reality, he's got a giant full bag of sugar over here that no one can actually understand. So I want everyone to go to Job chapter 38. I'm just going to start in verse 1. When the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by the words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined the measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds, its garments, its and thick it darkens its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no further, and here your proud waves must stop. Like, even in those ten verses, it just shows a glimpse of what he did, what he can create, and how worthy he is. It's amazing. And you just, it goes on for like ten chapters of what he can do, how how he did it, how he can control the Leviathan, how he can pierce it with a thumb, how he can do anything he wants, and he chooses to send his son down later to save all of our hides from the pit of hell. And we all deserve it. Yet he was like, no, no, no. I created you. I love you with all my heart. So I'm going to send my son down and he's going to die for you. So you don't have to go there and you can have a one-on-one relationship with me because that's all I want. I want that relationship with you. I want that praise from you. I want you to love me, right? Instead of rejecting him, I don't want that. I, I, he just wants all of our love and our praise to him and him alone. And, you know, the the awesome thing is, is that when Jesus, when Jesus rose up to heaven and he was like, goodbye, guys, hope you have a good life and everything. No, he didn't just say, oh, you guys, good luck and have fun at life. You know, I saved you from the hell, but, you know, you should be good from now on. No, he gave us gifts to fight the battle. He gave us wonderful gifts to help this broken world heal back together, First of all, he's given us the church, the church of God, the true representatives of Jesus Christ. He's given a multitude of people come all together with each a different gift from Jesus. You know, we can help each other, each other through the hard times. We can help use our gifts to help that person get higher and higher and higher where they are just shining in the light of Christ with every step they make. I'm gonna go to First Corinthians twelve, twenty seven through twenty eight. And it says here, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, like he just starts listing off all the stuff you we can do. We can just, we have each a gift and we can just perform it as boldly as we can and, we go and just be bold for because that is what he's calling us to do. He's calling each and every one of you in your special lives, in your special way, that he has a plan for you. And he's calling all of us to be a bold, standard, high standard that is praising his worthy name. When we. I'm first going to ask a question. Have you ever, any of you, walked into a room? And just felt the presence of darkness. Have you ever walked into a building or a certain scenario and you're just like, oh my goodness, there's something here that is wrong. And you're just like, what is this? It's so bad. It's horrible. A few years ago, maybe last year, we went to a vacation uh, to San Francisco. And while we were there, we, uh, we were just visiting some fun little sh- where we went, um, I wasn't saved at the time, but I walked into this, this store and it wasn't that bad. I mean, sure, there was a few bo- Buddha uh, kittens everywhere and little Buddha stuff, but there was mainly like different rugs, carpets, scarves, jewelry, little junk like that. And immediately when I walked in, it's like walking into an air conditioning building after a humid day outside. And you're like, Whoo, it's nice. But it was so dark. Like it didn't even look that bad. But I could feel the presence of darkness. Like it was nuts. It made me sick. It was like, what is this? And I wasn't saved. And so it was just like mortifying and horrible. And it was just, it was horrible. And I was like, Dad, I got to I'm just going to go outside. I'm going to. I couldn't deal with it at the time I, it was sickening and it was horrible right but James 2 19 says you believe that there is one God you do well because even the demons believe and tremble when that symbol is upon your head and you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life that symbol is put on your head and, and see in terror, every single bit of it. When I, I just want to go it gets where when I walk into that type of scenario, when I walk into that type of store, the darkness is scared because I've got the living God inside of me and his fire is burning so bright. I want all that darkness to fear and tremble at the hand of the Most High that is living inside of me. It's it's amazing what Jesus is capable of he's he's sacrificed his life for us, and we it has his, we have his authority to do the work of Christ, and we are we have to just be willing to do it. We have the gifts. We have the church. We've got the power of God on our side. We've got forgiveness. We've got healing. We've got mercy. And all, all of our sin, all of our chains are cast away. They are cast away when we accept Jesus Christ because he paid the price and he has set us free. Now it is our turn to serve him. We have to serve Jesus Christ as our Lord. And it will go so much better even though it will seem like it's going so bad. Like it, it's... It, 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 <laughs> it will go it's just a great thing to serve the most high because he is worthy that is why with without all the gifts without with even the struggle with all of the torment that the devil will force upon you with all of Whatever, And even with the gifts that Jesus has given me, with the mercy that he has given me, all I need is Jesus, 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 to the day I die.
0: Ethan's got something.
6: Can we get all the young men lined up up here, please? And can we get Kyrus and Jaden and the other boys? Spencer, there's a lot of them.
0: So I just want to share one quick thing as they're doing this. Is um, Kyra shared with us, and it kind of ties into what these guys had talked about already this morning. But being marked, you know, as you know, as Christians and and what what we exhibit. Um, can I share the okay the the gate the gates of hell, so the perspective of the gates of hell shall not prevail right he sh- he shared a perspective with us that just kind of for me it was very profound it blew me away, but he said, you know gates kind of represent the last um, defense in a city, right it's if you can get past the gates, you're inside and you can do plunder and you can do you know great damage to that city, and we often think of the gates of hell shall not prevail against us as if we're in the defensive, right? But the gates of hell are the defense of hell. So we should be on the offensive on the, uh, toward the gates of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against our offensive. It's just a different perspective in how you think of it. We're not standing behind a shield and go, oh, the gates of hell, you know, we're, we're on the offensive. It's storming the gates right it was just really cool and so i think it ties to these guys when we have that mark the gates of hell knows who's coming they know who's coming so turn it over to ethan
6: so i just want to read this verse again isaiah forty thirty and 31 even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall faint, but they who wait for the lord shall renew like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Can you all get in in a line? Three years ago, we talked, and... As men together, it was spoken over us that we were David's mighty men. There's a lot more of you now than there was. In fact, three years ago, from here over, was the five of us. And look at how many more we have. Young men with hearts for God. The next generation in men fighting for what we believe in. Fighting for all the people who don't know what we believe in. But it will only work if you stand together and you stand with God. It only works if this line doesn't break like the Battle of the 300, the Spartans versus the Persian army, the only reason they had enough time for their families, their women, their children, the rest of their people, to get free of 10,000 Persian soldiers with a bloodlust was because of the 300 men that stood that day. None of them survived. But everything they stood for did. Because they stood, and that line did not fall. That line did not break. When the walls of darkness assailed them, and they were outnumbered, they stood and did not fall. I want to pray over each and every one of you. And any any men that want to come and pray with me, will you? I've never stood up here before. This
0: is really just... Nope. Um, but I get
2: this word, this almost feeling, and this sentence that this group is unfailing and will not fall against what Ethan said
0: that we will stand. That's pretty much it.
4: The Lord gave me one word for you, you boys, you gentlemen, and that's the word purity, to be pure in heart, pure in soul, and pure in body. Thank you, gentlemen, for what you said today and how you're standing for what you believe. And um, the thought that the Holy Spirit put in my heart is that I see a solution to where we're going to find our churches and who's going to lead them right here in front of us. Um, I don't think Pastor John has to worry about filling those churches and finding leaders, so thank you.
7: building right now, you do not have to fall away. You do not have to struggle. You don't have to go through periods where you feel separated from God. God will never leave you nor forsake you. I can tell you from experience, nothing this world has can compare with what walking with God can do for you nothing, drinking, drugs, you name it. None of it compares to the love of God. You don't have to have dry spells. You don't have to wonder who's in control. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to have anxiety. God loves you for who you are. As long as we just say, God, you're in control, He's going to use you. It doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. Christ died for you, He loves you, and He's going to get you through anything. Keep your eyes on Him. You do not have to fall away, you do not have to struggle. It's a lie. I don't care if you're in college. I don't care if you're in the military. I don't care where you are. You can serve God with your whole heart at all times. At all times. The one thing I regret, but thank God he has mercy and grace, is that I didn't stay strong when I needed to stay strong. Thank God for His mercy and grace. But I'm telling you, there's a better way. There is a better way. And that way is Christ. Period. No matter the situation, stick with Christ. Because that's what's going to get you through. Hey guys.
8: None of you know me because this is probably my third or fourth time here. Um, But when I came up here, the anointing on you young men had me struggling to keep standing. And the Lord told me He's going to double that anointing, triple that anointing. That anointing will protect you. That anointing will empower you. The only thing that can stop that anointing is if you don't have a broken and contrite heart towards the Lord. The only thing that will stop the anointing. I ask Lord that you keep these young gentlemen's hearts soft and palatable. I ask that you continue to pour out the anointing in such a way that they don't have to even speak for the anointing to pour out on people around them like Peter, that people shall be healed and set free just in their shadows, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you empower them to empower others, that you make these leaders, leaders of others who are leaders of others, who are leaders of others. They are in a a specific time, a specific place for a specific reason. There is a breakthrough coming. There is a, there, this is the beginning of a something not only for your church, but for the entire world right now. And us as older men cannot do this without you I ask that 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 you all keep your eyes open and be like a child if there is one struggle for us older men remember to be like a child don't ever forget that as old as you are, as young as you are be like a child
0: So as this wraps up, we just continue to pray for these guys because you know they, we always hear that you know they're the they're the church of the future. But really, we've heard it before. But they are the church of today. Amen. These we got some really strong youth here. It's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. These guys. So bless them on your way out. Amen.